the Chinese pinch one off the Dutch. Goal, that is, not a game. Italy, they're through to the crossovers. And, well, where's Matt? And welcome to the World Cup Daily. For the Vitality Hockey World Cup, the action is really starting to heat up. And I did manage to find Matt, just not here. How are you, Matt Allen? Yeah, I'm good, John. I'm down the line for this episode. This is, of course, episode number eight of the World Cup Daily, brought to you by the Reverse Stick and the Hockey Family. It is, and what's action we had overnight? A couple of very interesting games for different reasons. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we we set our predictions for the uh, the games on yesterday's show. Um, we thought that the Netherlands were going to score a hatful. They did. Um, I think you said China might pinch a goal, though. I did. And then we picked. We picked um, the draw in the other game, and it well, it very nearly was a draw. Uh, it was a very intriguing game, that one. I mean, it's obvious there's a gap between the Netherlands and perhaps Korea and Italy, but they, they put on a, a strong performance, both those sides. Yeah, so um, do you want to go through the results to start Let, off with? Let's do that. We'll start with the China-Netherlands game. As expected, uh, the Netherlands were too strong, winning that game 7-1. Um, I think there were... Six individual goal scorers? Oh, no, there wasn't six individual. Yeah, six individual yeah, goal scorers six, yeah. for, the, uh, for the Netherlands there, so they'd be happy with that. I don't think they'd be quite happy about the goal, but, you know, the Chinese had a real crack at them and, and deserved at least to take that away from the game. And a great goal as well from Jing Yong in the 57th minute. It was unfortunately a little bit too late. Yeah. Um, and the Netherlands did go on and score another one after that in the 59th minute. From the goal scorers, uh, Lidovay Vauten's got two, Kitty Van Maal got two, so they both go on to three goals each for the tournament. They're sitting at the top along with uh, Ortiz um, and Charlotte Stappen, Charlotta Stappenhorst. Uh, Xander Ward got one, Kelly Yonker, Lorian Larink both went one each. And of course, Kaya Van Marsaka on seven minutes, she got the opener, and we heard from her after the game. Okay, well, I think uh, we started okay, and then uh, we scored, and we got in, in the rhythm of the game, and uh, kept the tempo, uh, pushed the tempo up, and uh, pl- played quick, and just passed the ball, w- keep working hard, and then, uh, of course, it was a mid-break, but after that, I think uh, we came right out of uh, the inside, and we kept on playing, and uh, yeah, we scored seven goals, so yeah, of course, we're really happy with that. Now, I did make the comment during the game last night on the socials, Matt, that if you took those 16 Chinese players and whacked them in the Dutch league for a couple of years, they'd be a pretty good team. Yeah, it's like, like, we, like we said, it's an interesting way they select their teams, and it's always going to be an issue getting those players together to play top-class games, and that was the same thing that you said about South Africa yesterday. Yeah, and, and that's an issue that's facing a lot of these developing countries is, is getting the right amount of top quality good hard hockey into their players Now we did take it to the polls before the game and it came out with Netherlands 85% win, a draw 12% China 3% I think somebody was having a bit of a laugh there to be honest with that um, but if you look at, look at the stats, geez it shows total domination by the Netherlands in all but one matrix, um, metric there. Uh, circle entries 49 to 6, shots 29 to 4, corners 5 to 1. And the possession, John, was? That's a really interesting one because the possession, according to um, the FIH, was China 51%, Netherlands 49 there you go. So Netherlands obviously took that chance as well, didn't they? They did. And uh, by the way, it was someone having a laugh too. They just didn't want to see China sitting there on 0% for a chance. <laughs> just quietly. Nobody cared. Between you and I. <laughs> on to the next game. Korea and Italy. 
ninth ranked Korea, 17th placed Italy. I mean, the Irish perhaps haven't surprised. They've they've done better than expectations, but I think the Italians really have surprised us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's six points, two wins from two wins from two, and the best ever performance uh, for for an Italian hockey team. Now, I say Italian hockey team. There were a few um, snide comments saying it was the Argentina B team, um, but they're all obviously qualified to play for Italy. Um, yeah, what, what did we learn from the game? We learned that Korea like throwing overheads, didn't we? Well, yeah, there is that. Uh, we look at some of the statistics there, Matt. Um, fairly even game. Circle entries 19 to 14 in favour of Korea. Shots on target were eight all. Uh, Koreans had two penalties. The Italians had three. And the possession 52-48 in favour of the Italians. Yeah, well, I thought the, the Italians worked very hard defensively. Um, yeah, it was a, a very tight, hard-working performance from them, and they managed to keep them out, and they stayed in the game long enough until the last five seconds of the game to nip in and get get the win. And, boy, there were some scenes on the bench of the Italians, wasn't there? Oh, there was indeed. <laughs> should, we, um, uh, should we have a listen to one of the Italians? Yeah, why not? Let's uh, listen to Elisabetta Pacella. Um, it was a tough match. Korea played uh, very well, I think. Um, we were like close uh, all the match defending. We were like um, uh, do our press, and it was very very difficult to uh, to attack. Uh, for um, for the forward, it was very di- difficult for, uh, to receive the ball and make um, uh, an action and try to score a goal. But well, in the, in the last minutes, in the last seconds, we we tried to attack, and with something more, with the heart, I don't know we, what, but we could score the the goal on the last 10 seconds. And that was Elisabetta Pacella. Um, yeah, I dare say the Italians are over the moon. <laughs> yes, I certainly think they would be as well. Oh, but the, yeah. it's oh, fantastic yeah. to see, isn't it? It's exciting. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm loving it, loving it. Now we did take that one to the polls as well. Italy came up with a 59% of the vote, the draw 26%, and Korea 15%. Um, do you think Korean would be upset about that result? Yes, I do. I think they'd be devastated by it. I think that uh, the showings of both Korea and China, although China were a bit better against the Netherlands, I think that they'd both be very disappointed. And we also had a chance to catch up with another of the Italian girls, uh, Ivana Pessina. Uh, let's hear from P- Ivana. Amazing. Now amazing. But it was a difficult game. Uh, we was so stressed because we know that uh, we are find the, the one or the six point to pass the, the other round. So now we are happy, so happy. I bet, real, real happy they'll be smiling in Rome this evening. Yes, um, yes, you, know, <laughs> you can imagine the smiles on their faces, can't you? That's oh, brilliant. Yeah. And now, obviously, with with the group, um, that means we've got mm. China, Korea still to play there, and it's all on the line for both of those sides, and they know each other very, very well from Asian encounters, and of course, Netherlands um, versus Italy. Uh, I think the Italians just want to concede less than seven goals and they'd be happy with that I think they should just go out and play with wild abandon they're, they're going to progress anyway regardless of the result they should just have some fun and learn from their opponents because uh, they're well credentialed to teach you a lesson the Netherlands any chances of them uh, winning the group none 
I wouldn't think. I, I think Alison Annan has these girls really worked up and I think she's a little bit worried that perhaps the competition isn't strong enough in that particular pool and she wants to make sure that they're are at you know at the peak when they get to some of these tougher teams you know they come across a Germany or an Argentina yes that's it that's what they've got to be very careful about isn't it that they're not too complacent I'm sure they won't be complacent but it's just that thing about being stretched um, within the tournament and if they haven't been stretched so far and suddenly they could get caught out look they've shown that they can be scored against that's right you know they Chinese did well to get that goal too Shall we have a look at uh, what's coming up today? Because it's Pool C and D, and there's some really interesting games that will, in some ways, go to defining exactly how this tournament's going to get up, because those crossovers and, and which side of the pool you get drawn on are going to be very important to teams. Well, that's it, and those will start to fill up now from the games from today onwards, won't they? So we'll see who is, who is finishing second and third in the groups and, and what the combinations could be. Well, coming up first at, at uh, midday at the Lee Valley Hockey and Tennis Centre is a Pool C game. That's Spain and Germany. Now, that should be a ripping match, especially considering the form that the Spanish have been in in their last game. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's intriguing. Obviously, Germany on six points there. Spain uh, having a great turnaround from the heavy defeat to Argentina in the first game to come back and have the 7-1 win over uh, South Africa um, yeah it's a really really tough one to call but you know they're two teams that do play a lot of hockey against each other they are and then the second game uh, the 2 o'clock game also from Pool C Argentina versus the Republic of South Africa you'd think that Argentinians would get up in that game and Mercy Pool uh, no I don't think the South Africans are playing bad enough to warrant the Mercy Rule but it could get ugly for them yeah, it's a bit of a concern. Um, you know, it would be interesting to see how they bounce back. You know, they, they, they want to get points on the board, don't they? they? Do. You don't want to go home from a World Cup with zip. That's right. But, yeah, I think the teams there are set for the for the crossovers and, and the quarters. It's just a matter of uh, which order they finish in Germany, Argentina and Spain will go through and South Africa will drop out, unfortunately, for them. As I said, just a matter of seeing exactly who's going to get the day off and go straight to the quarters and who's going to butter up again. For the now, if you are there at Lee Valley today, um, go and watch the first 30 minutes of that Argentina-South Africa game. Then head over to Fan Central and go and watch the walking hockey exhibition game that's taking place. Yes, great idea for um, Alan Gormley and the walking hockeyers. And then once you've uh, watched a bit of that, then get back into the stadium for the Japan-Belgium game from Pool D. Now, that's going to be a really interesting uh, match, that one. That one's coming up at 6 o'clock. London time, Pool D, two Pool D games, and both of them are intriguing, as you mentioned. Japan and Belgium, that's going to decide who goes through to the uh, the crossovers and who misses out, and the Australia-New Zealand game is going to decide who's going to finish on top and get that quarter-final berth, which is going to be very important, because sometimes you want to be missing until you get to right at the pointy end. Yeah, well, the Kiwis certainly weren't very happy coming off the field from their last game, so I expect a big turnaround and uh, uh, certainly a more focused performance from them. Who knows what we'll get from Australia. I think I'll... Uh, I'm kind of going the way of New Zealand for the win in that one, but it will be a close encounter like every single one is amongst the two teams. Well, once again, we have an intriguing situation where if New Zealand lose, they don't want to concede too many goals because uh, uh, they're, they're on the three points... Uh, if they concede too many goals, there's a chance that Belgium and 
Japan could both leapfrog them on the on the percentage scale of things, the goal difference. So, you know, Belgium and the New Zealand would want to be if they don't win, not losing by a lot. Yeah, oh look, it's uh, it's going to be a great evening or afternoon and evening of hockey there in London. What's the weather up to? Because there was a few rain interruptions overnight. Well, I was going to mention the rain interruption. Uh, it's not something we're expecting to see after the last few days. And um, to the players' credit, they didn't seem to be too affected by it. They went off, they had their little break and came back out and just picked up where they'd left off. Um, you know, the organisers can't do much about that. You just have to wear that one, don't you? Yeah, 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 you do, um, and yeah, adapt as you can. Now, a few stats for you, John. Tournament okay. so far, we've had 67 goals in 16 games. That's over four goals per game. Of those goals, 66% of them are field goals, 28% penalty corners, and 6% penalty strokes. Eight yellow cards and 26 greens, not a red in sight, thankfully. Oh, that's very good. Uh, just on those goal scoring statistics, mate. Uh, gee, those those penalty corners that that scoring rate slipping down do you think maybe we can encourage teams to score more off penalties by making them two worth two goals well that would be a good idea wouldn't it two yeah. goals for one for a penalty corner yeah. and what about maybe a shootout afterwards as well I think we should have the shootout at half time we don't want to go start the start of the game no no not the start I, I like it in the middle of the game that way you've still got a chance afterwards <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Quick one to mention, hashtag yeah. crash ball. Keep those coming in to us. Um, it's good to keep the crash ball monitor going. Did we get any overnight? I, I believe there was a crash ball. Mel Clulo was uh, crash balled on the social medias last night. I think uh, it might have actually been FH umpires that pointed that one out. I'll, uh, I'll have to check my socials again to get the... But I will, I will let them know. For uh, um, a board game that we can play on some of those... Uh, more often used phrases in the game. Yes, we'll, we'll have to see how that comes about and uh, might have to market that one. I think there's a, a big market for it, actually. Now, you can keep an eye on the Crash Ball count on our Twitter. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, all at the reverse stick. And, of course, this is also brought to you by The Hockey Family. Follow thehockeyfamily.com and at the Hockey Family in all forms of social media and you'll get some Ateos um, match reports on, on there and lots of other great stuff around the tournament. Yeah, and thanks a lot to Tao for getting the interviews as well. He's doing a great job for us there. So we did have opportunity to catch up with the FIH technical delegate for the World Cup there in London. It's Tammy Stanley, and Tammy joins us down the line. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me on the World Cup Daily. Um, it's great to be here. I arrived in London a little over a week ago, and... Um, in the lead-up was really busy with uh, tournament meetings and equipment checks and just making sure that the teams and everyone were ready to go for the start of the tournament. Just on to the tournament, do we see any variances to the regulations in this tournament that we don't necessarily see in the general FIH outdoor tournament regulations? Uh, you know, there may be a, a directive for officials to focus on or on any particular area. There's a couple of variances in the regulations that we have seen for the World Cup, but these are not going to be necessarily specific to just the World Cup. So we've had a few new uh, uniform regulations come in, but they've been brought in to bring the uniform regulations closer in line with the IOC regulations. So this is something that will be seen moving forward in the top tier events as well. The other main one that affects teams here, and it's going to affect all tournaments moving forward that are longer than 10 days is the ability to 
replace two players under medical replacement. So if you have a player that can no longer compete due to injury or illness, you do have the ability to replace them in the tournament, subject to approval from the FIH CEO or event director in their absence. Um, but this needs to be done as well in consultation with the tournament medical officer. So teams can replace up to two players under that regulation. And that's been a big thing. But fortunately, we actually haven't need to do, needed to do that yet. The only other difference we see here is being a 16-team event, the bottom team in each pool will get knocked out after the completion of the round games. Now, you've got a big team of umpires and officials at the event. Do the third team get together during the, uh, the tournament to evaluate performance? We do have a big team of officials here. We've actually got 15 umpires at this tournament with two umpires managers and one dedicated video umpire manager. We've got myself and six technical officials. So we definitely get together to evaluate each day. So what happens is the umpires managers have the direct feed of all the videos of the games and are able to have a look at that and any discussions they need to have with their team they can do so. My team of technical officials sits down at the end of the day as well to go through anything that may have come up during the day, but so far it's been a really good tournament in terms of how smoothly things have been running from our side, so we're really happy, but it's really great that we can sit down as a group and discuss things if we need to. Well, it sounds like you've got everything in hand there, Tammy. We wish you well for the rest of the tournament and, of course, all of the rest of the hashtag third team, and we'll speak soon. Thanks so much for having me on the World Cup Daily Podcast, Matt. Um, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the round games. Some of the pools are starting to get very tight and things are going to come down to the last round. So uh, thanks, everyone, for getting on board and watching. Really looking forward to seeing what happens over the next couple of days. And that was Tammy Stanley, the FIH technical delegate for the Vitality World Cup there in London. It was great to hear um, from the official side of things and from the hashtag third team. Now, just while we're on a hashtag, John, hashtag HWC2018, that's what you need to be using on social media. Please keep that trending. Please keep the spotlight on the World Cup. And there's been some fantastic press happening, particularly that I've seen in the UK and Ireland yeah. um, around the, the tournament for all sorts of reasons. Um, we'll, we'll be posting all those links on our social media accounts as well. So uh, yeah, get involved and get excited. Well, I look forward to seeing you face-to-face -to -face tomorrow with some more yeah, World Cup action. Birthday boy tomorrow as well. I'm expecting a present, John. Uh, well, slapping the head. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your game today. If you do score that goal, I want the goal celebration. Okay? Shirts off, mate. Shirts off. <laughs> Good stuff. We'll see you all tomorrow for show number nine of the World Cup Daily. See ya.